0: It's getting hard to believe. Well, praise the Lord. Um, It's good to see many of you here. I know that uh, there are many places that we could have been on a Sunday. uh, Some could still have been stepping on the blankets. Uh, Others could be in various different places, but uh, you happen to be here. And it's a privilege to see your... Um, You are looking wonderful today, actually. I'm seeing many lovely faces among us. Just turn to your neighbor and and tell them you're you're looking lovely today. That may be the only compliment they get this week, so uh, do it well. Praise the Lord. We have come into the second uh, of our sermon series, Time and Chance. Time and Chance. And... uh, This one we entitled the battle is not to the strong. We are dealing with time and chance. And the battle is not to the strong. There are many things that we face in life. There are many hurdles. There are many battles that we are facing every single day. But indeed, uh, as the scripture says in Ecclesiastes, we're going to read verse 10, chapter 9, verse 10 and 11 again from where we started uh, last week. Whatever your hand finds to do, Do it with all of your might, for there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the strong or to the warriors. Neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability. For time and chance overtake them all. It seems as though life uh, has a secret. There is some secret thing and formula for getting ahead in life. And it isn't for swiftness. It isn't for strength. It isn't for wealth or even wisdom. It is that there is something, an element, another, an additional element... Uh, That makes for a successful life And we are saying that everyone has been given time And opportunity That we can actually make it in this life And God is giving us, you and I as K3C here Time and chance uh, That we can come in To the thing that he has got for us Last week we looked and we celebrated At what the Lord has been doing in our church Um, He's been doing some great things Um, As we have looked back, we have seen how the Lord has lifted us and he has uh, increased our number. Uh, We are now at 930 uh, uh, people who are attending this church, 480 children, uh, sorry, 480 adults, 65 teens and uh, 280 children. All of that combined 930 adults, uh, well, 930 people, souls, should I say, 930 souls here in the church every single week. And it's a growth growth we have seen a growth of uh, 15% from 2018. But yet we are not happy exactly there because we know that around us in this neighborhood, there is 300,000 people who live, who move, who have their being in this neighborhood. 300,000. And therefore our call is that we want 30,000. We want 30,000. 30,000. How they will fit in here, uh, God will know. But we want 30,000 people to be discipled in this neighborhood. And the only way that we can do this, last week we talked about it, we say we, ha- we need to disciple men with all of our might. We need to pray with all of our might. We need to focus on the kingdom of God and the things and the principles of God with all of our might and everything inside of us. And lastly, there comes this thing that is the supernatural, there is the thing that cannot be explained. Uh, it is the sound that comes from heaven above. That as we do these things, there will be a sound released in our midst. And you see, we serve a God who cannot be explained. Any moment, any time that you explain God, if you can explain Him and understand Him fully, then He is not God. But our God cannot be explained. He cannot be understood by our meager minds. We cannot understand and see. We can see pieces and bits of Him. And hence we are looking unto the supernatural Even as we come here We are always hoping for the supernatural That there is, some, there is something Beyond just the words that we speak here Something beyond the songs that we, we, that, that, that we sing Something beyond the people that we are standing next to Something that is the supernatural That as we come into this place That we will find And we will hear the sound of God The sound of God walking among us And as he walks among us There is a release of his glory and of his grace Our lives uh, reflect the multiple decisions that you and I have taken or have not taken. When you look at at, at your life, it is the result of decisions that you have taken or things that you have not taken. Considering the series of this message, Time and Chance, everybody, each one of us, has both time and opportunity to make an impact in this world. The question is, when these opportunities are presented to you and to me, do we seize them? we take a hold of them or do we allow them to pass by why on what basis uh, do you do things that you do why are you how you are is it because of well there's many things we can talk about i want us to look in our, in, in, into our bibles uh, because we're going to read uh, from first samuel Chapter number 14. We're going to read the first twenty-three verses. First Samuel chapter number fourteen. And I want you and I to read together. Reading the Bible and the word of the Lord is mighty and, and wonderful. Even as we read it, just the, the 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 mere reading of it will help us understand and see God in a different way. So we're reading the story of one that is called Jonathan. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 1 to 23. It says, Now the day came that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who was carrying his armor. Come, and let us cross over to the other side. Cross over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree. That word is very hard. Pomegranate tree, which was in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600. Note here, there were 600 who were with him. And Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the priest of the Lord was at Shiloh and was wearing an effort. So Ahijah was wearing an effort. Ahijah wearing an effort symbolizes that Ahijah was actually the high priest. He was a high priest. And the high priest was the one who People would go to, to hear and to find out, to inquire of God. With the, with the effort that he put on, they could inquire of God what was happening. And God would tell them what they required to know. But the very next sentence is a, is, is a bit of a misnomer. Because it says, and the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. And yet, the high priest, wearing the effort, was there. It means that these people were not inquiring of God. They were not inquiring of God. Between the passes by, which Jonathan sought to cross over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a crag, a sharp crag on the one side and a sharp crag on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Senneh. The one crag rose in the north opposite Michmash and the other on the south opposite Geba. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, Let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, and the Lord is not restrained to save by many or few. Oh, wow. His armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself, and here I am with you according to your desire. Oh, how we need people who can stand with us. How we need people who can say, you know, you say some ridiculous thing, and they say, by the way, we are with you. Come, whatever may, we are with you. The armor-bearer was like that for Jonathan. He said, Come, whatever may, I am with you. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands, and this will be a sign us. When both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will tell you something. You can imagine what they wanted to tell him. They wanted to smash him and finish him. Come up, we'll tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet, and his armor bearer behind him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, and, oh, sorry, and his armor bearer put to death, put, put some to death after him. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about, 20 men within about half a pharaoh in an acre of land. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field and among all the people. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled. By the way, the raiders were Jonathan and his armor bearer. Even they trembled. When God checks in, it doesn't matter who is on his side. He is so great that we will tremble. Praise the Lord. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled and the earth quaked so that it became a great trembling. I don't know what a great trembling is, but my God, it became a great trembling. Now, Saul's watchmen in Gaibea uh, of Benjamin looked and behold, the multitudes melted away and they went here and there. And Saul said to the people who were with him, Number now and see who has gone from us. And when they numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Then Saul said to Ahijah, the high priest, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God was at that time with the sons of Israel. Now these people had the high priest and they had the ark of God. And they were not talking. They were not asking of God. They were not inquiring of God. So he said, bring it here. While Saul was talking to the priest, the commotion in the camp of the Philistines continued and increased. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Meaning, I have no time to hear what God is saying. Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. And there was very uh, great confusion. There was great confusion. Now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines previously, who went up with them all around in the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites, who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the men of Israel, who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim, heard that the Philistines had fled, even they also pursued closely in battle. Those ones who were scared are now running, following. So the Lord delivered Israel that day, and the battle spread beyond even unto beth Aven. It 's a very interesting story this as we as we read it, why because it 's a story that I think needs a little a little background for us to fully understand the children of Israel were we know that the Philistines had been enemies of the children of Israel, and many a time uh, they had fought one with another in fact, the Philistines were the first people one of the first guys uh, i mean who, who were enemies of of, of, of Israel now in In 1 Samuel chapter number 13, Israel had defeated the the Philistines uh, at a place called Geba. This Geba is the place where the Philistines have now come to. 1 Samuel chapter number 13 and verse number 4, it says that the Philistines were angry and they wanted revenge because of what Israel had done to them before. They had defeated them at that place called Geba. We will assume Geba is on this side. Geba was there. And they came to Geba. And they said, now is our time for revenge. And they didn't come in few numbers. This is what the Bible says in, in, in verse 5 of, chapter, of 1 Samuel chapter number 13. They sent out 30,000 chariots. 30,000 chariots. 6,000 horsemen. And the people who were there, the, the, the footmen, the foot soldiers were as numerous as those, the sand on the seashore. You can imagine, you cannot count them. They were innumerable. There were many. They were thousands upon thousands. 30,000 chariots. 6,000 uh, horsemen. In fact, they had come ready for battle. They had sworn that they were going to finish Israel. Going to finish them. Latest ammunition. If, they were, if, if we were comparing it to, to, to ammunition now, I think it would be, it would be crazy. But they, here, they're here they were. All of these people... But do you know who they were fighting against? Who they had come arrayed against? My Bible tells me that there were 3,000 Israeli soldiers. Just 3,000 Israelites. 3,000. And of those 3,000, people had begun to fear. When they saw that multitude, they saw the chariots, they saw the horsemen, they saw people from here until beyond, they began to fear. So the numbers, a few were, 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 were moving, taking off. They were reducing in number day by day. From 3,000, there were now 600. 2,400 had left. You can imagine, when you are here, you are few. Eh? And you are getting fewer. And you can see the army that is standing against you. I wonder how it, how it may feel. Fewer and fewer. My Bible tells me, 2,400 left. That means 80% Left the only people who are left were 20%. There is this principle that is called the Pareto principle. Some of you have come across the Pareto principle. In any group of 100 people, 80 people are just there warming the benches. They are not doing anything much. The other 20% are the ones who are doing everything. This is a principle that is is not from the scriptures, but it is from clever men who have observed things. So even with the Israelites... There was 3,000 here. Now they have been reduced to 600. 20% are the only ones who are there. And these 20%, they were not bold and brave. In fact, they were hiding in caves, in holes, in rocks. Hey, how do you hide in rocks? In rocks, in tombs, in graves. They were hiding in graves. They were hiding in pits and in cisterns, places that carry water. They were hiding in those places. These 600 who have remained, they were not standing bravely. They were hiding, trembling. Oh. <laughs> not only were they trembling, verse number 7, but the Bible tells me that they even had no weapons. If you look at, uh, at, 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 at at First Samuel, chapter number 13, verse 22 and 23, it tells us that there was only two swords and two spears. Out of the entire congregation, they had no weapons. The only thing that saved them, the, what, the reason why things had not happened so much was because of the gulf between, there was a, there was a very steep cliff and very many jagged rocks between the Philistines and the Israelites. To such a degree that if these people were to come down, they could only come down slowly, one by one, one by one. And as they came one by one, then the chances of these 600 killing them, they could possibly kill everyone. And so that's why there was a waiting. People were waiting. Everyone is waiting. Everyone is waiting for something to give. For something to give. I wonder, have you ever been in a situation where you are overpowered? You are outnumbered. You are outfoxed. You are in the minority. (laughs) You are trapped. You are in a downward spiral. You are abandoned. People are leaving you. You are discouraged. You are trembling. You have no weapons. And you are scared. Have you ever been in a situation like that? This was a situation that the Israelites were in. Scared. Didn't have anything. Could not defend themselves. They didn't have weapons. Let me ask you a question. What would you have done if you were the children of Israel? Please talk to your neighbor. What would you have done? What is it? You see this multitude, there's a multitude there. You are here, you have no weapons. What is it that you'd have done? Did I hear somebody say we'd have prayed? Hmm? <laughs> any <laughs> any any interesting answers? Eh? What would you have done? eh? Maybe some of us would have just waited and said, no, let us wait it out until the Philistines are tired. Let's just wait. Let's just wait. Maybe they may return back to wherever they have come from and we go away. Let's just wait. Anybody here who said, let's just wait? (laughs) And I tell you that there are many of us who are just waiting. Another person may have said, hey, by the way, no, no, no. Let us negotiate our surrender. Yeah, you people are, you, you will finish us. So, why don't we just surrender? White flag, let's wave the white flag and say, ah, we surre- you people are greater than us. There are many things that we think about. But I tell you, there is something interesting that the scripture is right. The KJV says it like this. 1 Samuel chapter number 14 and verse 1. Here's what It says, It happened upon a day. It happened upon a day. Ah, please tell your neighbor. It happened upon a day. Because a day can change your life. A day, the things that happen in a single day can change your life. It happened upon a day that Jonathan, Jonathan determined to make a move. Jonathan had been there just like everybody else, hiding in caves, hiding in in and among the rocks, hiding even in the cisterns with water. They were hiding. He was like that. And it happened upon a day that something changed. Something changed. My friend, a day can change your life. One day, I decided to come to K3C, and I have been here since one day I chose, I just chose, it was a day and I came and I found myself here, now I am here one day you chose to apply for a job in a certain place and now you have been working in that job for how many God knows how many years And you are happy. One day, it happened upon a day that some man came along and said, "Uh, you look like, uh, can I, would you be my wife? And you said, yes. And your life has been changed because of that decision that you made on one day. It happens in one day. But the greatest thing that ever happened for me is this one day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. One day. It was a day. It happened upon a day that I realized that I need the Lord Jesus in my life. And I gave myself to him. And he led me from that day on. My life has never been the same. I tell you that change can happen in a day. I I, touch your neighbor and say change can happen. You know, some of us have been wondering, Hey, whoa, when is my change coming? It happens in even a day. It happened upon a day that Jonathan determined. To do something. There is a famous poet. He's a Roman poet. He's called Horace, and Horace wrote some certain lines, and we know him because of these famous lines. uh, A word, some some Latin called he he he, he says it's called Capedium. Capedium. Have you heard that? Capedium. Seize the day. Seize the day. That's what uh, Horace wrote. And it's for you and for me to begin to understand that a day can change your life. And therefore, we need to seize the day. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, Seize the day. What we determine to do with our day will determine our future. What we determine to do with our every day will be the thing that results in how we move forward. Saul was sitting under that tree that is called the pomegranate tree. It's very difficult for me to say it. I don't know why. He was sitting there. The Bible says that he was just sitting. There's this opposition that is there. The the, the Philistines are there, but Saul was sitting under the pomegranate tree, waiting. What was he waiting for? It is not known. But some are just waiting for things to unfold. Some are just waiting, and as the day goes, we are just waiting. We are waiting for something. We don't really know what exactly we are waiting for, but we are waiting. I want to encourage you to do this. To take the day by the scruff of the neck. Every day, take it by the scruff of the neck. Seize the day. Take it by the scruff of the neck. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 12. And this is the Passion Translation. Passion Translation. It says, From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Ah, from the day that John stepped onto the scene until now. The realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, is growing. The realm of heaven's kingdom is, o- is overtaking, is moving forward. The realm of heaven's kingdom is moving. And who, who, are, who are the people who take it forward? Passionate people. Passionate people. They have taken hold of its power. I know that we are being shown uh, the old old translation, and the old translation talks about since the days of John the Baptist, uh, uh, this kingdom of God suffers violence. And uh, sometimes we are a bit perturbed perturbed by this violent nature of the kingdom and the violent take it by force. I like, I prefer this word, the passionate, take it by, take it, take a hold of its power. The passionate take a hold of its power. Every single day, some passionate man. Woman, boy, girl is waking up and taking and seizing the day as they move forward. Oh, since the days of John the Baptist, it has been happening. And you and I ought to be one of those ones. We ought to be violent in the way that we take up our days. We ought not just to be sitting there and waiting for things to happen. We ought to realize that it is time. Jonathan himself realized it was time to take advantage of the chance that was present. Hey. Some of you, I can hear you asking, was there a chance present? It, was, it seemed like it was an impossibility. It seemed like this one was done, dusted and sealed. But there, there was a chance, there was an opportunity. Many may not realize that there was an opportunity embedded in the circumstance. There was an opportunity. In every trial, there is an opportunity that God provides. However dark, however dreary, however difficult, however impossible it may seem, there always is an opportunity that God gives to us. Oh, I wish that there was somebody who would say a hallelujah there. Because in First Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 13, this is what the Bible says, that there is no temptation uh, that has overtaken you, but that is common to man. It is common. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tried or to be tempted beyond what you are able But with every temptation, he does what? He provides a way of escape. With every temptation, with every trial, he provides a way of escape. Why? Hey, So that you will be able to endure it. That way of escape that he provides is a victory, brothers and sisters. That way of escape that he provides is a victory. It is not a defeat. It is a victory. So it means that every time that you come up to a a, a seemingly impossible, and you have impossible odds. If you are betting people, you may understand when we talk about the odds uh, of winning and of losing. But I trust the Lord, there are no betting men or women in this house today. But in that case, whenever you come up to a trial that is so difficult and so hard, and you're not seeing a solution, this is what God is saying, there is a way of victory. Because he has provided it in his word. There is a way of victory and God has set it. And therefore, Jonathan seemed to have understood something more than what the others around him were seeing. And therefore, it happened upon a day that he came upon a strategy. And what was his strategy? His strategy was, number one, to be fully dependent on God. To be fully dependent on God. Ah, he decided to be dependent on God. When we, how do we see that? When you look at First uh, Samuel chapter 14 and verse number 6, it says this, him talking to his armor he says, come. In fact, when he says come, he's saying, now is the time. This is the time. Come. Let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. When he says uncircumcised, he is saying that we are the covenant people. We as the children of Israel are covenant people. We are the believers. And therefore, we are going against these ones who are uncircumcised. Who are they? They are unbelievers. Who are they? They are the unrighteous. Who are they? They are the opposers of God. We are going against these people who are opposers of God. The wicked people who are against God. He has realized that he is in a certain particular position. A position of covenant. That he has some power because he is a covenant man. And therefore he has come upon a day and he has thought, no, I have been waiting here. We have been waiting here. But we are covenant people. And yet these ones are opposers of God. Let us rise. And as they go to him, and he says, it may be per chance. Per chance. Do you see time and chance? He realized that there was a chance that God will work for us. There is a chance that God will work for us. For there is nothing to prevent the Lord from saving by many or by few. Hallelujah. There is nothing to to, to prevent God saving by many or by few. You see, he saw an opportunity. No one can see this opportunity until and unless you use the eyes of faith. In any place that you are stuck, in any difficult place that you are saying, Oh, me, I am finished. Oh, poor worm, that is I. Oh, who who have no hope. Uh, Yes, you have to open your eyes and look with the eyes of faith. Somebody say with the eyes of faith. Because if you look with the eyes of faith, you will see opportunities that God has already given to you. The other Israelites who were looking and using their natural senses, they were seeing, they were listening, they were hearing. They could hear the rummaging of the wheels of, 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 of the chariots. They could hear the murmurs of the multitude of soldiers. They could see the, uh, the dust rising as men were walking back and forth ah and tremble came into them and th- by their because because they were using their natural senses they went into hiding into caves into uh, in, into tombs into rocks and into cisterns and to other places but yet listen to what second chronicles chapter number 20 and verse number 15 says jehoshaphat is talking and Or rather he is being told King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle does not belong to you, but to God. There is an, an understanding that the people of God, the people of covenant of God, understand that whenever they come into a battle, the battle does not belong to them. But it belongs to the Lord. So the strategy was, Jonathan thought, I need to depend on God. I have to fully depend on God because the battle is his. It is not mine. And therefore, he's able to say, come, let us go. Even though we are few, we can still take them in Jesus' name. Ah, I don't know if you hear me. We can take them in Jesus' name. The battle belongs to the Lord. His strategy was risky. It was risky. Two men with one sword, perhaps one spear, going against hundreds of thousands of men with latest equipment, warfare. And they were not just, only, they were only two. What kind of risk is that? Number two, he had not told his father. In, that, in, that, in, that, in, 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 in those days, war would happen like this. If the champion, just one, two champions would fight against each other, And if one of the champions wins, it means that the other side has been defeated. Do you remember David and Jonathan? Two of them were fighting one against the other. Whoever defeated who means that the other side lost. It means that Jonathan was risking the loss for Israel by going and not telling his father. Not telling the commander of the army. He was going. It was a risk that he was taking. But he took it all the same. Again, the risk he took, it was not an ambush. You can imagine that uh, maybe two people can kill a few people if they ambush them. But this one was not an ambush. The Bible says that they came in full view of the enemy. The enemy was able to see them. And the enemy saw them and said, come up, let, let us tell you something. Because they were so proud. They were thinking, "How ah, we will finish these ones. It was risky. That you do it in full view. In full view of the enemy. Let me say something on the side here. Because sometimes we are in something called analysis paralysis. Because of what we think others will think about us. We don't want to do things in full view of people. Sometimes you know very well that there is a word for you and maybe the the, 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 the someone the man of God, the woman of God who is sharing something says come for prayer but you are sitting there thinking "Mm, you know it is you Mm, has anybody else gone? should I go by myself? will I be the only one? has there anyone felt like that? have you you thought like that sometimes? people sitting upstairs hallelujah hallelujah when, when, when you look at yourselves from upstairs, you say, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go all the way down there. And I'm going to show myself to everyone that everybody may see. But do you know that you may need to take a risk and show yourself indeed. And say, Lord, I am coming. As you have said, I am coming. I don't care what people say. That may be the place that your miracle is. Touch your and say, in full view. In full view. In full view was risky. Jonathan and his armor bearer climbed on their hands and knees. As they were climbing up, the top, the Philistines are there. They are climbing up. They cannot even carry the sword because they are on their hands and knees. You know that when you are on your hands and knees, you cannot carry a sword. There is no weapon that you can carry. And yet you are going to the enemy on your hands and knees. Is there any other position? I mean, you're, you better be on your, on your belly lying flat. It's as good as that that the enemy can step on your neck and finish you as you're climbing on your hands and knees. It was risky. Let me tell you that many times doing the things or doing things God's way (laughs) may seem risky to the uninitiated. Only to the uninitiated. Only to those ones who have not known this God. If you know this God it shall not be risky to you. Ah, it shall not be risky to you. Why? Because Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 tells us, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? This is what Paul is telling the Romans. If God be for us, if we are of the covenant, who are these who can stand against us? This is the same thing that David spoke about when he went to Goliath. This is the same thing Jonathan is now saying. He's saying, ha, if God be for us, who can be against us? There's a beautiful song that was sung by one lady called KCJ. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be with us, whom shall I fear? If no one knows me, still his heart adores me. I am safe. I am loved. I am healed. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is what Jonathan perhaps was feeling. If God be with us, ah, we are going. Even if we are crawling, we are going. It is not a risk. We are going. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 21, chapter 21, verse 31 says this: that the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Victory belongs to the Lord. You see, I had always this understanding that, that God will be the victor. No, God will not be the victor. Victory belongs to Him. Every place that you see victory, it belongs to Him. If this was victory, God owns it. You can only get victory if, you, if he gives it to you. Do you hear me? <laughs> he can, you can only acquire victory if Jesus gives it to you. If you don't have him, he will not give it. He, he, you know, he will not give you victory. Because victory belongs to him, it, it is his. It is his. It means that when you're going, when, when, when Jonathan is going up and fighting this, he knows. Victory belongs to Jesus. It belongs to him. It belongs to our God. Yes, in fact, you may have horses, you may be prepared, you may have chariots, you may have everything, but victory belongs to our God. It means that you cannot be discouraged if you're a child of God. It means that when you're in the kingdom, you will not be trembling and fearing and fretting. Why? Because the victory is guaranteed. Ah, there would be somebody who would rise up now and do a dance because victory is ours. Has somebody told you you are going to be defeated? Ah. Uh-uh. There's a song that we used to sing before. I will not be defeated. I will not be defeated. I will not be defeated anymore. Jesus Christ has won the battle, friend. He has won the battle. I will not be defeated anymore. Ah ha. Will you be defeated? No, the victory is ours. Hallelujah. Hey, the victory is ours. We will not be defeated in Jesus' name. Whatever comes, whatever may come, we will not be defeated in Jesus' name. Today I was feeling some some songs rising up. Ah, we should have even led the worship. Pastor Dennis. (laughs) But the third thing is this. That the strategy that Jonathan used unleashed the power of God. His strategy, released the word of God. How he, how he believed. The enemy was delivered into the hands by two daring people. There was an earthquake and there was a tremor. The world tremored. Why? Because one man had dared the Lord to act on his behalf. One man had dared God to appear on behalf of the children of Israel. One man had dared God to move on behalf of his beloved people, or that there will be one man who would dare God to move on behalf of K3c one person who would dare God to move on behalf of Kenya, one person who would dare God to move are you here? Hebrews 11 verse six says this without faith it is impossible to please God it is impossible anyone who comes to him must believe that he is a rewarder of those who who earnestly or diligently seek him. you must believe. If you come in faith, it pleases him. Jonathan walked in faith and it pleased the Lord. Jonathan seized the day. He took, upon, he took it upon him one day to decide, I am going to pursue this God. I am going to unleash, I'm going to come in and unleash his, his power. And it so happened that it, 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 it did like that. God's power was seen. As we come to the end of this message, I want to tell you something that God has given to us. Everything that we need for life and for godliness. He has given us his precious and magnificent promises. Precious and magnificent promises. Wow. So that we can become partakers of his divine nature. He has given them to us. Then I wonder, why is it that we are in this lame paralysis? That we are sitting waiting. What is it that you are waiting for? Too many of us are sitting under that pomegranate tree, that tree that uh, is hard to to pronounce. We are waiting for something that is abstract, something that we haven't known. We are waiting. What is it that you are waiting for? What are you waiting for? Somebody is sick. You have no resources. You don't have the money to pay for cancer treatment. You have no money to pay for whatever it is that the illness is. But you're waiting there. You're waiting there. You don't know what to do. Stop. Seize the day. Jesus is our healer. And he can heal you. So long as you step out in faith, let your strategy be one that I don't care, even if men see that I am depending on God. I don't care, even if I'm risky and taking a stand and saying, Lord, won't you heal me? Ah, uh, Step out. Seize the day. Somebody says, seize the day. Somebody has, has had a long-term desire. You are, you're, you don't, you're not sufficiently equipped. You're wondering, how am I going to do this? You've just been sitting. I don't have the tools. I don't have the resources. I don't know how to move. I, 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 I am paralyzed almost in this place. And God is saying, now stop waiting. With the little things that you have, start doing something. Start. Been waiting for somebody to help you learn how to play an instrument. You know, long ago, uh, my mother is here. I will refer to her again today. Uh, her, 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 she 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 decided to buy a guitar in in her old age. Well, now it was it was about twenty years ago, so she was not so old. Uh, she is a little more advanced now in years, but we laughed at her. I personally laughed. At her. I said, "Now this this lady, I've never seen." An old woman playing a guitar. Anywhere. In church. Anywhere. And she said, no, no. I'm buying this guitar. I want to play. I'm going to learn how to play it. And I want you people to learn how to play it. Hmm. I said, yeah. If you... <laughs> in your dreams. <laughs> so she went to Dayster University and she learned how to play the guitar. And she would bring it and leave it in the house. One of our neighbors, who happened to be around there... Uh, he's a musician, uh, Pete Odera, began to borrow the guitar and he learned how to play the guitar. Some of us, we would just see the guitar there and say, ah, ah, okay. This is for, I don't know, for who it is, but uh, he, he, you know, later on, when I was in university, then we are there and there's, we are, we, we, we are in a fellowship and, and, and everyone, there's no, there's no musical instrument and we are clapping hands and we're saying, hey, now, how can we be so dull like this? And, and, and I began to think in myself. I said, my mother bought a guitar many years ago. And I, I laughed at her. This guitar, can it be so hard to play? I asked somebody, lend me a guitar. They lent me a guitar. And, uh, and I, I, I tried. I tried. I said, ah, no, this thing. Who, is, who are these people that they can move their fingers without even thinking? I mean, really, how is it? How is it possible? I said, no, no, no. They are not smarter than me. No, I must learn this thing, and I and I learned. I tried to learn. I one month, my friend, my fingers were were hard; they were peeling. The thing, I said, eh, hey, no, this one, maybe I I bit too big a, a, a thing. Let me leave it. I left it for a month, two months. One day, I was in somebody's house and I saw a guitar and I thought, mm. anyway, this thing was too hard for me. Let me. I picked it up, and whoa. My fingers were just moving by themselves. So I said, "Miracles of God, miracles of God." I realized now that I had actually practiced for one month, and something had remained. Now I was encouraged. I said, "Ah, this one, I can try. I can try." I went for fellowship. They told me, "Ah, David, now you can play the guitar. I can try." So, okay, play for us. Now we start singing. Hey, we start singing, and I'm thinking now, I only know one key. How do I do this? I would play anything, my friends. Anything. And the people who are not very musical, were very happy, ah, we are playing a guitar. (laughs) The ones who are musical were saying, ah, 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 my friend, (laughs) there is something here that you are not doing very well. I said, no, 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 I am encouraged, I am encouraged. Do you know that within six months, I was trying to play, I could follow somebody as they sing. Because it happened upon a day that I desire to seize the day and say I can do this thing. What is it you're waiting for brothers and sisters? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting Are you waiting for somebody to come and drop it in your laps? It will not happen like that. You have to determine. You have to be passionate about it. Listen, the battle is not to the strong It is never to the strong. It is to those ones who are daring, those ones who are passionate, those ones who are courageous, those ones who are following after God. And as you step out, as you seize the day, something in your life is going to be changed. Hallelujah. God is calling us as a church to begin doing ministry in this area, this heartland of ours. God has given us a a figure, 30,000 people. Now that number sounds very high. 30,000. And we say, we need to disciple 30,000 people. And I know there are some people who say, I don't know how to disciple. I don't know how to disciple. I'm saying, seize the day. Step out. Go and talk to someone. Say, come, follow me. Where are you going? I don't know. But I am, wherever I'm going, I'm following Jesus. You just follow me. Seize the day. Somebody says, seize the day. Ah, now you are quiet on me. I don't know why you are quiet. You don't want to disciple people. Seize the day. Call somebody. I don't know how to do it. Nobody knows. Is there a book that was ever written about discipleship? Is it here? Uh, Where is it? Are there instructions? A, B, C, D? They are not there. It is your life. It is life upon life. Hello? You will be so amazed at when you open your life out to somebody you open your life out to somebody and someone tells you my friend that is the same thing that i've been going through oh you mean that's how you got out there is hope yet for me we need to just step out seize the day step out in faith and do something god is calling us in the year 2020 to be a people who are going to do mighty things in this place just like Jonathan, who seemed to have nothing and was able to translate and a, a, a really dark situation into a victory. God wants some victors here in our midst. He wants some victors. He's going to show you victory. Your marriage has been troublesome. Things have been going wrong. And he's saying, seize the day. Seize the day. Jump out and just be, be, begin to believe in the Lord. And I tell you, something is going to happen. Things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. God is calling us into a new place, church. But it's for you to step up and to seize the day.